I'd like to start us off at a place I think we can all kind of come together and we can all kind of relate to, um, and that is, let's just go back to childhood. Let's go back to when we were kids right now, and let's go back to when we were invited to a birthday party. And I'm talking this as a friend, maybe you had a school, maybe you had a daycare, somebody that's down the street, they invited you over for a party, and they invited you for two reasons. One, because they loved you. Two, because you're important enough that they wanted to be around you. And you were probably excited for a multitude of reasons as well. I know I was excited because there's probably going to be a cheese pizza. I know I was excited because there's going to be cake, probably ice cream. And there was another thing that I was super excited about. We'll get to that here in a little bit. All right. Now, you're showing up to this party. You're stoked. You're ready to celebrate the life of this person because you are just such a selfless little kid. And you show up to the party, and you're so excited, and all your friends are there, and you are celebrating the life of your friend, and then something happens. Then the presents come out. And then your friend starts opening these presents, and there is something very greedy, very sinful, very broken, very human inside of you that takes the focus off of that friend and just goes immediately to their toys. I remember going to parties and a friend would open up like a Stretch Armstrong. And I was like, man, that's the stretchiest thing I've ever seen in my life. I remember when a friend would open up an N64. And I remember when a friend got 007 Goldeneye. And that was the greatest gift that any mom or dad has ever given to this day. And I remember being so excited. I remember being so excited that I completely forgot about the person whose birth day we were celebrating. And I just went full focus on all their toys. And it wasn't just me. It was me and it was all of our, his other or her other supposed friends that were there at the party. You know you would have been doing it too. You went from celebrating this person to just playing with their toys. And this person went from hoping they got to play with their toys to just crying in the corner. I know you've been to that party. It's their party and they can cry if they want to. And they do. You would cry too if it happened to you. You want to play with your toys. I think we can do the same thing when it comes to Christmas. I think we can take the focus and the emphasis off of Jesus and his birth and we can make it about so many other things. We can make it about good things. We can make it about the blessings of God, but it's not actually God himself and therein lies the problem. We can make it about family. We can make it about friends. We can make it about celebration. We can make it about fellowship. And these are all good things of God and from God, but these are not the great thing of God, which is Jesus. And so tonight, my hope, my aim, my prayer is that we would, just for a little bit, focus back in on Jesus. Just for a little bit, that we would get some rest, we would get some reprieve. I don't know what you're going back to tonight when you leave here. I don't know what you're coming from. I know the holidays are hectic. So just for a little while, let's catch our breath. Let's find Jesus. He's the reason for the season. Let's dive into him tonight. He's our coming king. Let's find him. Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 5 says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So the first thing we see in the Christmas story tonight is that Mary and Joseph made quite the trip. Mary and Joseph were from a town called Nazareth, and there was something that was taking place. A census was being done, and so because Rome was over 
Bethlehem because they were over Jerusalem. This meant that they were over the territory where all of the Jewish people lived. And if they were over you, that meant anything that they said went. And they wanted you to do a registration. They wanted to have a census. That meant you had to register. You had to register for two reasons. The first reason, they wanted to take into account all of the men who were of fighting age. That way when somebody with trouble knocked on the door, they knew everyone who was going to go out and go fight that person. Rome was notorious for taking other cultures, getting their men into their armies and learning from their fighting style and then going out and just kicking some tail. That's number one. Number two, taxes. <laughs> they wanted the money, and things really haven't changed there. You probably could have gotten way more Christmas presents this year if it weren't for taxes. Those are the two reasons this registration was taking place. But the Jewish leaders, they tacked on something else. You see, Israel is 12 different tribes. And each tribe had to register in their hometown. And the hometown of the lineage of David had to register in Bethlehem. That's where Jesus would be born, just as it was prophesied. Now, because they had to register in Bethlehem and they were in Nazareth, that meant that they had to go on a journey. Now, Mary, Mary's on a donkey. Joseph, he's on foot. Nazareth to Bethlehem, that's 90 miles. I don't care who you are, unless you're in a minivan or you're just riding a sick whip. <laughs> it's going to be an uncomfortable ride all 90 miles. Not only is it going to be uncomfortable, they're on a donkey, they're walking. It doesn't matter how well Rome paved the roads. Mary is with child. Mary is full term. Let me tell you, somebody who's been with a pregnant wife with two full-term children, I don't necessarily want to go on a 90-mile road trip. There's going to be casualties. Somebody is not going to make it, and it's not going to be her. It's going to be me. I'm not going to make it every single time. There was trouble on the road to Bethlehem. They went through a lot. I think we could say the same for us. I don't know where you're coming into this place, into this cafeteria tonight. It's probably been hard. There's probably been a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. It's probably been a lot of life that has been lived up into you coming into the presence of Jesus. I don't know the things that you've been through. I don't know the things that you've done. I don't know where you find yourself with God. I don't know where you find yourself with family. But my prayer for you tonight is that just as Joseph and Mary traveled 90 miles to get to Bethlehem, to be in the presence of God in human form in their son, and God's son, Jesus. And they experienced him. I pray that you would tonight, no matter where you're coming from. Hopefully not full-term pregnancy, but I know we might have a couple that are close. All right. We have to ask the question when we read this, who is Jesus? And this is important. And in this, we see that he is king. We see that because he is of the house of David. He is of the lineage of David because his father Joseph is in the lineage of David, just as it was prophesied in the Old Testament. You see the Old Testament, it's the Jewish Bible, and then there's the New Testament. All of the Old Testament points to Jesus and the New Testament, which is the first four books of the New Testament, which is the Gospels. Everything after that points right back at Jesus. It's all centered around Jesus. And so what we see in the Old Testament is God makes a promise to David. 
And he says, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, will come through your family. And that is exactly what we see. And so he is king. So because he is king, how will he rule? Let's read Luke 1, 32 through 33. We back up just a little bit from chapter 2 here. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob, which is Israel forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now, Jesus didn't just come to rule over the house of Jacob, which is Israel. He didn't just come to rule over the Jewish people. Jesus came to live a perfect life. And in his sacrificial death, through his resurrection, he reconciles us. He unites us, Jews and Gentiles. Now, if you're not a Jewish person in this room tonight, that makes you a Gentile. We are united together under the adoption, under the sonship, the daughtership, and the family of Jesus. So what kind of king would Jesus be? If he is king, if he is of the house of David, what kind of king would he be? We see that he is a powerful king, the strongest it ever was. He is a good king, even better than the good king that was King David, who gave God his own heart, who was after God in his heart. He is a king that would have authority, but he is a king that would have mercy and that would have grace, and he would rule with love, but he would also rule with justice. He is a king that would come into the world to take care of the sin problem of the world. And in that, we see that Jesus is Savior. He is Christ the Lord. If you look at Luke 2, verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this is where things get personal. You see, we can see a king, Jesus, on his throne, powerful, ruling with authority, ruling with love, ruling with might. But that Jesus is distant. That Jesus is someone we come and we bow before and we serve and we worship. That Jesus is on his throne. That Jesus isn't alongside us. That Jesus isn't with us. It isn't, he isn't present. And in Jesus being Savior, in Jesus being Christ the Lord, we see that this is where things get personal because he saves us. And so because of this, we have to ask two more questions. One, why is his birth so important? Because without his birth, we would not get his life. Without his life, we would not get his perfect sacrificial death. Without his death, we wouldn't get his resurrection. And without Jesus' resurrection, we would not be resurrected. We would not receive true life. We would not be set straight. And our relationships with God made right because of his sacrifice. So why is it so important that Jesus was born? So that Jesus could live. So that Jesus could die. So that Jesus could raise from the dead. So that we could experience true life. So then we have to ask the question, what does this have to do with me? This has to do a lot with us. Because Jesus is not just king, but Jesus is Savior. So we have to ask the question, what is Jesus saving us from? And Jesus is saving us from the wrath of God because of sin in our lives. You see, sin means to miss the mark. Anytime that we go against God, anytime we do something against another person or against ourselves that God says not to do, that we are missing God's mark of perfection. God is holy. That means that he can only have relationship with something that is absolutely perfect. 
that is pristine, that is holy, just like him. And so there's a problem here. Because we are holy, we cannot be in the, because we are not holy, we cannot be in the presence of a holy God. So what does Jesus do? He comes into the world. He is born of a virgin. He's God in flesh. He lives a perfect life. And then he goes to the cross. And when he goes to the cross, he goes with every sin that I've ever sinned. Every sin that you have ever sinned. Every sin that you would ever sin. Every sin that had ever been sinned. And every sin that would be sinned from that point on. He takes it into account. He tallies it up. And he says, you know what? They're worth it. They're worth it. And in that moment, there is a great exchange that takes place. Jesus receives all of the sin, all the weight of sin, all of the burden of sin in the world of all time. And in return, for those that would put their faith in him, for those that would follow him, they receive his righteousness. That is how Jesus saves us. But he's not just king. He's not just savior. He is also Lord, as this says. So what's it mean for him to be Lord? Well, it means that he is our master. And if Jesus is our master, that means that we follow him and we live life the way that he says to live it. This means that I have to put myself in the back seat. I've got to die to myself and I've got to say yes to the ways of God, to being obedient to God, turning my back on the ways of the world and saying yes to Jesus. And so the question becomes, am I following Jesus? For those of us that are following Jesus, for those of us that are at the beginning of stages of following Jesus, I think we can see in Luke 2, verses 16 through 20, what we can do about this. What is the next step that I can take when it comes to the Christmas story directly applying in my life here at Christmas Eve Eve? It reads, and they went, they, they are the shepherds. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child, as they were told in the field by the angel. And all who heard it wondered, at, the, at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. What we see here is that God does something really incredible. When God wants to deliver the birth of his son in the world, what does he do? Does he go to a king in a palace? Does he go to a priest in a temple? No. He goes to the lowest people in society. He goes to the shepherds. Now, the shepherds, nobody talked to them. They were always out in the field. They were always hanging out with sheep. I think they had started to buy a little bit too much in the town square. They smelt funny. They didn't really know how to have a normal conversation with people. Not only that, they were considered sacrificially unclean. They were considered sacrificially unclean because they spent all their time out in the fields with the sheep that would be sacrificed for the sacrifice of sin. Because of that, they never got to go to the temple to receive cleanse or to receive being cleansed of their sin by this sacrifice. So nobody talked to these people. Who does God go to to deliver the best news that Emmanuel, God with us, is finally here? He goes to the lowest in society. 
So I don't know where you're coming into this place tonight. I don't know if you feel like God can't talk to you because of the things that you've done, because of the job you have, because of the way people treat you, because of the way you see yourself. If you come in here tonight and you are the lowest of lows, I want you to know that God still loves you. God still wants to interact with you. And it's people who saw themselves and society saw themselves just as you see yourself, whether that's true or not. God chose those people to take the good news of the world, to find Mary and Joseph, and to celebrate with them. God approached the humble. And so, like the shepherds, we too can seek out Jesus. We seek out Jesus. I don't know what you're going into again this holiday season, but I know it's going to be crazy. I know it's going to be busy. I know it's going to be a lot of gift opening. Hopefully, I know it's going to be a lot of family shuffling. It's going to be a lot of meals. Seek Jesus. Steal some time away. Get alone. Spend some time thinking about the greatest gift that was ever given. Unto us, a child is born. Discover the greatest gift ever given in him. And then be like the shepherds and make him known. Share the testimony of what you have experienced in Jesus with those around you. They went to Mary, they went to Joseph, they experienced him, and they praised him. And like Mary, nights like tonight, where we just press pause, where we gather together, and we say, regardless of what else is going on, I'm carving out time, I'm going to worship the Lord tonight. I'm going to sit, I'm going to ponder, I'm going to meditate on the greatness that is God's gift in the birth of Jesus. And then like the angels in verse 14, then like the shepherds in verse 20, we can praise God for this gift. We'll do that too. Tonight as we sing Silent Night, as we light our candles, we focus on the light of the world. We focus on the light that came to shine in darkness. We came We come to focus on the king that came to seek and to save the lost. That's you. That's me. So we gather together and we sing songs, just as we see in Luke 2, 14. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, why do we sing songs like this? Why do we put our focus and our attention on him? I think no matter where you're at, in your walk with Jesus, no matter where you're at with church, I think you might know, maybe you've heard this next little piece of scripture, maybe not the verses following, but we find the answer for why is this so important? Why do we focus Jesus in John three sixteen through 18? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that we might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Look, I don't know. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're at with God. I don't know where Jesus is in your heart, but I hope tonight, if you have not accepted a relationship with him, if you have not been made clean by his blood on the cross, his sacrifice for you, I pray that that is something that you would do, that you would receive the gift of salvation. 
If that is you, if you have questions on that, if you feel like God is calling you to trust in Jesus, to save you, if you feel like God is calling you to repent of your sin and be made right before him, if he is calling you into relationship with him, my prayer is that you would come up to me after service, that you talk to me, that I'd be able to walk alongside you in this incredible decision, the most important decision you can make in your life, that you would talk to Jacob, that we'd exchange phone numbers, that we'd walk through life and this decision alongside each other because salvation is the greatest gift that we receive from the life of Jesus, being made right with God, and entering into a personal relationship with God. We've got to remember that Jesus' birth is so important because it leads to his perfect life. His perfect life leads to his death on the cross on our behalf. His death on the cross leads to the resurrection. The resurrection leads to his victory over sin, over death, over the enemy. And in his resurrection, we too, when we put our faith and our trust in him, for the forgiveness of our sins, will be resurrected. We'll experience true life with him for eternity. Let's pray.